answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are here with us as we're talking about financial matters, both myself and my co-host here. We're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself, come here on the weekends, being your financial advisors on the air. And it has been obviously a very interesting year when it comes to financial matters. Crazy. For some, it's been absolutely disastrous. Lost their jobs, sometimes two couples that both lost their jobs. Single moms with a couple jobs lost both their jobs. I mean, for some people, it's been disastrous. For others, it's been a boom time. It's really, it's been yeah. a bizarre, it's, bizarre year. It's just uh, how it affected the service economy, which is historically lower paid. Um, people in the, especially in the tourism or entertainment industries, entertainment including restaurants and hotels and it's just been awful awful terrible terrible and it's no end in sight for some of these industries no no, no. yeah it's been a rough time and there's a this was um simply wise i don't even know what simply wise is simply wise is something simply wise is, is the some I don't know, some organization of some sort their study says that one in 10 people will retire early due to the pandemic. 15% of people who lost their jobs due to COVID-19 are now planning to retire earlier than anticipated. And one in 10 people overall in their 50s and 60s are now planning to retire earlier than expected. And we often talk about, uh, if you've listened to this show for any period of time, about how you should be prepared to retire, not necessarily that you want to retire, but you should prepare to retire. Because... Historically, approximately 50%, 48% of people retire before they thought they would because of economic reasons of what we're seeing right now, a change in job status, um, companies being relocated, their health or the health of a loved one. And that's what causes many people to retire um, before they want to. And oftentimes it's because things are not in their hands for the decision-making. And we are certainly seeing that today. But I think for, <laughs> for most people retiring earlier as a result of this pandemic is probably not the right. And it's hard. Look, if you're in your fifties, late fifties, early sixties and lost your job, it is, it is not easy. It is terrible. And we've worked with enough people over the years to see that this kind of forced retirement and they're, I mean, you're at a company, you've been, your whole life you've given to adding your skills to the marketplace. And then it feels, what it feels like is that the marketplace is telling you we don't value you any longer. And so it's a really challenging thing, but don't, don't let that discouragement turn into early retirement that you might not be able to afford. Yeah. We actually have on our website guides to uh, emergency retirement guide that you could look at and it will actually help in your decision making process of your finances in light, in light of um, what's going on. So. Yeah. All right. If you want to be part of our program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. That sounded depressing at the start. I actually. <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah. That did Stay sound tuned. depressing. It's going to get better. 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. And we'll get to your calls and answer your questions to the best of our ability. And uh, it, yes, I guess it is to the best of our ability. <laughs> Let's talk to Douglas. Douglas, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, guys. I need your advice. Uh, I got my portfolio out of balance by making a stupid rookie mistake. Um, but I'm afraid of uh, taking uh, making a 
temporary loss into a permanent loss. Um, well, don't make a second your, stupid rookie mistake. What's that? <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know, but it might it might be not getting not not taking your losses and running. But anyway, let, tell us your, tell us yeah, the situation. Okay. By the way, Douglas, we've yeah. all made investment mistakes. If anyone tells you they haven't, they are lying to you. I've made investment mistakes, and oftentimes you you, you have your best education and your breath, best growth, well, in life through mistakes, but in your investment uh, life through your investment mistakes as well. So, so what's your advice? on rather than dripping back into my investment, taking it in cash and using that over the next few years to rebalance. Well, tell us about your situation. I mean, what your, what was your mistake? Well, what, what? Yeah. Um, my mistake was that um, based on my bias, when I was a young person just in college, uh, it was in the 70s, and there were long lines at the gas station. Mm-hmm. And... It was just a few years ago that we were paying six bucks a gallon for gasoline out here in Colorado. So I see the ups and downs in the energy market, and I thought I caught it at a low, and I thought it would couldn't go much lower. And guess what? It did. And what kind and of energy? How did you invest in the? You didn't buy oil futures, I'm assuming. You invested in no. the big public traded yeah. oil companies or no, massive yeah, limited yeah, partnerships. Yeah, uh, a Vanguard ETF. Okay, so you didn't. It's not like you invested in some oil transportation vehicle that no. went to ten percent of its value. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. It, yeah. it was it was a Vanguard uh, VDE. And what percentage of your portfolio did you move into that? Uh, this is where it gets embarrassing. Probably uh, close to fifty percent. Okay. And what did you move it out of? Well, I had gone to um, uh, to cash, and so um, temporarily because I was restructuring things, and then I just I just went with my intuition and my gut, and I and then it dropped another after I went in, and then it dropped another fifty percent. So, but I don't want to take that as permanent because I believe in my gut that it's going to come back. Okay. So why why did you in, why did you invest in an index fund as opposed to an actively managed energy mutual fund? I I don't know. I, um, help me understand the question. Well, you chose this Vanguard index fund, low cost ETF, where it's an it's an right. index as opposed to actively managed, which means that there was right. no one actually making decisions and about I, I, where I, in the energy sector you should be actually going. You just bought a broad basket that tracks an underlying energy index. And, where, and right. may, maybe it was a leading question, right? So my, here's what I find interesting is investors have flocked to index funds because they state that these professional managers cannot outperform the broad markets. I've heard that. Okay, Right. Uh, and we have a lot of index funds because we also believe that investors can out, uh, outperform them. In certain but, sectors. But what we find is that a lot of individual investors, they use these ETFs, these index vehicles, as a way to make bets on sectors within the That's the exactly stock. right. That's, right? Yeah. Which what they're saying is, I don't trust the manager to make the right decisions about the individual companies, but I trust myself to bet on a sector in that in that industry, oftentimes of which I know nothing or little about. You nailed it. Well, you're not you're not abnormal, by the way. I mean, as we said, <laughs> well, as we said, be. we That's see this. We, it's we we find it interesting. So the what you're afraid of now is I don't want to lock that loss in, is what you said, correct? Exactly. Well, well, you know, the, the, the fund doesn't and know you. Dividends. Okay. Well, it is, especially now, is it drops lower, in value. The lower it goes, the higher. But those dividends won't be maintained forever, right? They won't be maintained forever because the, the, the reason that, that it has fallen in value is because the, the, they're not earning as much. So either they're going to start paying dividends out of money they borrow or they're going to start retaining those dividends. So don't count on the dividends going forward. But the interesting thing you have to think about is this this fund doesn't know that you own it. So let's just say that 
you can get this thing back to what you paid for it over the next three years. Would you stay with it? I would reduce my position, but uh, I would pull uh, a big portion of it out. Okay, thank you. And the reason is because you, many time investors act like their portfolio or their particular bet in the market lives in a vacuum, but it's relative to something else, right? So where you have a tendency to say, well, this thing's going to come back. I just got to wait for this to come back. Where had you actually taken it out and let's just say bought the S&P 500 index, it may recover faster than what you own. So how I would do this is I would quit uh, relying on hunches, guts, right? What you said is I had this gut feeling. I think that's what you said, or I had this hunch. Um, that, that, Intuitive. Intu- it, it, it's not a way to manage a portfolio, right? No. Um, it's stupid. Uh, well, I, and please I, tell your but, listeners not to do what uh, I do. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Douglas, don't beat, don't beat yourself up, right? Well, it's would, behind you. I the would, question is now, and when I, when I first started, I said you don't want to make a second I, w- I would pretend this never happened and I rebalance the portfolio right. the way it's supposed to be. Or I would especially, in light of this, go out and hire a professional manager that you trust to actually manage this money. And don't worry about it. And not worry about it. The, the, because what happens is we manage, we manage over $9 billion. We have clients that come to us all the time with these types of ideas. And we say, no, we don't think it's a good idea. Nope. And they come back six months later and they say, see how much money uh, I would have made if, that's I, right. That's right. if I had done this and you told me not to? That's right. They never come back and say, see how much money I would have lost. No. They always say, see how much money. But when we manage money and when good investment advisors or institutional investors manage money, which is they manage on a risk-adjusted return basis, risk-adjusted return. And really, it has to mostly to do with what does Douglas need from his portfolio, and can we can we deliver what Douglas needs for his lifestyle without taking on much risk? And if we need to take on risk, how much risk do we need to take, and how can we mitigate those risks as much as possible? Because I have a feeling you're at a stage in life where uh, maintaining your standard of living is more important to you than becoming wealthier. Um. It would be nice to leave more okay. to my kids. Douglas, how old are you? I turned 65 in November. Okay. Are you not retired? No. Uh, I probably won't until I'm 70. It, because you can't or because you don't want to? Uh, because I, I really love what I'm doing. Okay, yeah. perfect. Then you know, you you know right, right, right now, but if you look at people who are retiring today, they're much older than they used to be. Twenty-four percent of retirees are seventy and, and, and above now. Who go when they, before they go into retirement? So, it, look, I, I, I appreciate the fact you want to leave more for your kids. The reality is, you you've given your kids everything they need before their age of twenty-five. Okay, well that's rare relevant. <laughs> but Douglas, don't make this. Don't don't repeat your mistake yeah. by just wait. And and yeah, just, eventually the stuff's going to come back. But you might the opportunity cost might be tremendous. You might miss out on a. A, a good run somewhere else. So uh, my, my sister, I, Douglas, if you were uh, standing next to me, I'd say, just build the portfolio. If you wouldn't buy this today, if you wouldn't buy it today, don't own it. I mean, that's the bottom line. If you wouldn't buy this today, if you wouldn't put this much in Scott, you would say, go get yourself a, a, a good advisor to build a yeah, portfolio. Yeah, go actually stuff. go look. Vanguard, you, Vanguard no, did a, you mentioned Vanguard. Vanguard did a study that talks about the value of a good advisor. Bring up to three percentage points a year by wealth management, behavioral financing, et cetera. Go read that study. I would but, encourage you to read. But that Scott, what 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 do you always say to me? We talk to the investment advisors. The most important role that we play as advisors is stopping from people from making mistakes of from which they cannot recover. That's right. Right. We'll give you advice. Right. It's That's all, the greatest value I believe I have provided in my career, 30 I years. will give advice to people to stop them from making mistakes that they cannot recover, from which they cannot recover. And quite frankly, everyone looks at return, but you have to look at risk-adjusted returns. Risk-adjusted returns. Not just returns. And if it doesn't work out, is that what impact, what is the real cost? So Forget the, forget the, the fluctuation in your portfolio. What's it actually mean as far as your retirement? 
What's it mean as far as your family income? What's it mean for lifestyle? So, as my my sister who ran, uh, I think one semester of track in high school, she wasn't very good. Uh, she's a good sister, just not a very okay. good. Friend. <laughs> That's good. And um, she talked this time. She was running. She says, "Coach, I, I, I think I'm going to barf." And he says, "Hanson, barf and go on." And she likes to joke about barf and go on. So this is one of these things you don't want to do. This it it feels horrible. Throw up once, okay. make the change, move forward. Right. Um, that's what my advice would be. Barf and go on, I guess. Thank I don't you, think Scott. I've ever said that. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'll never will again. <laughs> that's, a, that's an analogy uh, we're going to leave. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, take the pain and move on. Let's go with that. It's only painful once. Yeah. And you feel better. 833 worth is the number to be part of our program. I guess you didn't like it. No, I like it. But then no, when I was trying to say um, everything you've given your kids, most of what you need to give your kids, of you course. gave before they said, you stop me from saying that nice thing to use that analogy. You, you think our airtime is so much better spent if you tell me stories about a track coach versus I'm trying to get... Actually, I don't even know I'm, what the story was. You know, things I'm, change over time. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get deep here. I was trying to get deep. That's, I believe that. Most of what you've done for your kids, you do before their age of 25. And your kids have most of your values by the age 12. Yeah. Yeah. And most of your money by the age of 40. <laughs> <laughs> and money. money anyway, let's, uh, let's continue on with calls. 833-99-WORTH. We're talking to Russell. Russell, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. And the idea that my kids had most of my values by the age of 12 is truly frightening. (laughs) No, their values, not your values. Well, I've heard all your values. They probably have their values formed by then, too. Anyway, appreciate that. So the reason I called, when I have spoken to my friends regarding their plans for early retirement, I always first ask them if their home is paid for, and then I ask them if they've gotten quotes for health insurance. And I find that most folks are accustomed to being in a pool that averages their risk with a bunch of 25-year-olds and for which most of the premium is covered by their employer. Mm -hmm. And they have no concept of what private health insurance costs for a 62-year-old couple. That's right. And it occurred to me the other day that I've been listening to you all for years, and I don't recall you having ever brought that up. Uh, Well, I don't know whether we brought it up on the show um, uh well, the reality not? is if someone wants to retire before age 65, one of the f- tremendous costs that we need to figure out is health insurance. But 65, you got Medicare, right? And Medicare, some of the right. plans are not that expensive regardless. But before then, you retire at 62 or at 63, you don't have any coverage through work that can... You, uh, could, you could go on COBRA for a period of time, and then after COBRA, you, you go on conversion, and then hopefully you can get to... Um, the Medicare, but those are all very, very costly. So although we may not have talked about it on our show, we most certainly cover it in our seven personal decision. I just, just uh, this week I recorded, I spent four hours recording a new uh, seven personal decision point workshop where I talked about that very thing was a couple that retiring. The plan was retired age 64 and we discussed the medical costs and associated with that. But that is real. That is a hundred percent real. Is there a question for us? No, that that was no. it. I was just it, curious um, why that that I had not heard it brought up, but I guess uh, it I, has indeed been brought up. Well, I don't know if it. We've been doing this show for almost thirty years, so I don't. I'm sure at some point in the last <laughs> hundred, two hundred, that we talked about it. But we certainly do cover it as part of the financial planning process that we go through which is the seven personal decision points. And the fifth point of the seven personal decision points is risk, which includes long-term care and medical risk, which includes Medicare and what you would call Medigap or this bridge insurance from an employer plan to an individual plan. And it is quite costly. Um, In fact, for a while, my father was paying the premiums. It is quite, quite costly. We're very, very familiar with it. And, um, 
it's something that you actually have to bake into that. And pre-existing conditions uh, come into play, too, as to whether you qualify or don't qualify. For yeah, that. And there's the um, Obamacare, whatever they call the yeah. exchange. I have, a, I, like, I have a, a friend who had substantial assets but was able to qualify for that because of a break in work. And it's the kind of planning that you can do because a lot of it's based upon what your income is. And if you structure things right, maybe you don't have any, if you retire at 64, let's say you got a couple million bucks in your 401k, you don't take any distributions from your 401k, maybe you don't start Social Security and live off some savings during that period of time. It looks like you've got very low income and you qualify for um, the um, Affordable Affordable Care Care Act. Act. Whatever the exchange land stuff is, so yeah. there's lot there's lots of ways to st- structure it. That it clearly needs to be planned, and if for if for those that are retiring early, that have planned to retire early, one would hope that they have the assets set aside to pay for that incremental cost, and it's typically for a year or two. So if, 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 let's say it's two grand a month, twenty four thousand dollars is a lot of money. But if you've got one year's worth of it, and that's the only thing you've got, and you've got you've planned for that. Then I think um, I think you could be in, in in fine shape. So anyway, glad you uh, called, and it sounds like um, sounds like a lot of people go to you for um, retirement advice. So hopefully you are giving them the right kind of getting the home paid off. I think is a big one. And um, so speaking of getting your home paid off, come December first, the cost of refinancing any Freddie Mae or Fannie Mac loan, what they call yeah, I saw this. Yes, it's um. They will now be subject to the adverse market refinance fee. So um, <laughs> that's a new fee when you refinance. It's a new term. Which is, I've never heard this before, the adverse market refinance fee, which is a half a percent of the total loan amount. And it's to help cover the $6 billion of projected losses incurred by the COVID-19 crisis that the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac expects to recognize. Um, so what we would expect to see as, as we go through this, there will be, um, why the government is still this heavily involved in the, the home loans is really big... why so t- talk to me about that. <clears throat> well, why can't they let the private markets to figure out what the rates are, particularly at this low of rate? Um, well, there's, there, uh, because many people would not be able to ever borrow money to buy a home. So if you look at before Freddie Mae and I'm not, I'm not telling you whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, Scott, but you look at the amount of home ownership and we can argue whether a high level of home ownership or low level of home ownership is good or bad. That's a different, but prior to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the amount of private lenders, although the, the, the bond markets and the fixed income markets weren't nearly as efficient back there, um, back then. That's true. Um, most certainly, uh, people are qualifying for loans that shouldn't be getting loans. I don't know if I could even get into this, this theoretical discussion at this point in time. I'm just saying that the cost of refinancing will go up. Should the private market be in the home uh, mortgage industry, eh, maybe. Well, the private market is. You mean, should oh, the, the government public. be out of it? Yeah. So now the limit's $765,000. For a conforming loan. For a conforming loan. So the question maybe should be, should it be half that? Well, how many, how many, what percentage of Americans can afford a $765,000? Uh, 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 you're in uh, California, uh, parts of the coast of Oregon, uh, Seattle, and uh, parts of the East Coast. Right. We had a call last program from a townhouse in North Carolina with those three hundred sixty thousand dollars, which I thought was pretty expensive. I somehow yeah, remembered that. Charlotte. From, somehow remembered that from. Uh, that was kind of surprising. I was trying to. I was looking for my silly calculator here to see what the uh, how much income you'd have to have <laughs> to see what the payment would be on a seven hundred sixty-five. Oh, it would be three thousand dollars a month. Uh, at at uh, this, I know this is extremely boring radio when you actually yeah. do math, but let's assume a three point five percent interest rate. Over a thirty-year period, forty-four hundred bucks a month. Wow! So, not counting your property taxes yep, and insurance, so it's five hundred. So, 
The point being is, we got off on a tangent. I was talking so about need, the cost. It's really going to go six up. Grand, six grand so the question is, does the government really need to be financing mortgages where the payment's $4,500 a month, or should we leave that to the private market? And in fact, would it, in fact, if it were the private markets, cause interest rates to actually go down? I don't know. But there you go. But uh, here's what we do know. If you haven't refinanced in you a while. You should certainly refinance. If you've got a mortgage, as a general rule, we don't like anyone taking equity out of their house, taking out more than the loan balance. And now the tax laws, are gonna, you're not going to be able to get tax deduction on that either. But uh, I would um, seriously take a look at refinancing. It might, you might be able to move. You might, have, you like, might be 26, uh, 26 years left in your loan. You might be able to get it into 15 year at the, a, a very equivalent payment. To what you've been making. And I don't before. care if you refinanced a year ago. Yeah, even if you refinanced a year ago, it makes... Uh, and especially you want to do it before December when the fees go up. So. I thought the fee already went up. That starts... It was supposed to, and then they kicked it off till December oh. 1. Oh, then you really should it take a look at it. supposed to. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some more calls lined up, and we'll hear some... Uh, uh, more stuff from us. <laughs> You're listening to All Worth Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Hey, want to let uh, you all know, we have, in this, up until March of this year, we would have periodic workshops where we would have them at a hotel or a library or um, something along those lines where you can come, there might be 100 or 200 people in a room. We did some at universities with several hundred people in a room. Obviously, right now, you can't, <laughs> someplace you can't have more than six people together or 10 people together, all that stuff. So we all understand that. So we have uh, pivoted to our virtual workshops. And but this, this retirement transition workshop that we put together is not just uh, some uh, talking head on a screen with a PowerPoint presentation for 45 minutes at all. Highly produced, lots of different camera angles, lots of different, um, make it as interactive. And <laughs> What we try to do is uh, if you're not going to watch it, the information means nothing. So we've tried to, we actually produce these so that they're interesting and that they'll hold your attention for the whole length of the 45 minutes. Uh, not a guy up there reading. Uh, I was watching one in the uh, financial services industry where the guy kept holding up a white piece of paper with notes on it. What? You're supposed to read that? It. Yeah. And he would hold it up and then talk. He'd hold it in front of his face and lower it and talk. We're not going to do that. We're going to make it interactive so that you actually understand your own I, financial situation. I did situation. it, Pat. I, was at a, I did a, a virtual conference. I was supposed to be a speaker at this conference. Went to virtual and they're going to oh, great. Let's see how this goes. And so I had to 50 minutes of essentially it was a PowerPoint presentation, me talking next to that for 50 minutes. And I, look, I've got a lot of experience talking in front of a microphone, so I could do a pretty dang good job to make it as interesting as possible. How was it? It was terrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you said that about I mean, your I own. I don't know. It might have been okay, but that, the format, if it, it, it needs to be a little more lively than that to get people's attention. Yes. So. We've learned from watching others, from our own. Anyway, we've done a great job with it. It's our seven personal decision point. It's a virtual workshop. These are the seven areas that you need to be focused on as you're thinking about moving from the workplace to retirement. We cover things like how much retirement income are you going to need? How do you, how do you deal with your expenses and debt management in, in retirement? What's your tax situation going to look like? How do you manage your investments? What risks do we need to be aware of? How do we view the estate planning? And what the distributions are going to be, how they're going to come from, where you're going to get that retirement paycheck. So we cover all those areas. You'll learn something. I I want to promise you that. It's it's roughly less than an hour. You will learn something. Um, you'll follow along with a real life example, but you it, it's designed in such a way that you can you can think about your own numbers during that that time. I really do think it'll be helpful. And so we've got this uh, seven personal decision point. Our virtual workshop, Tuesday, October twentieth, Thursday, October twenty second. 
Saturday, October 24th, Saturday, October 31st. Those are the dates. Go to allworthfinancial.com and look for the little band of the seven personal decision point virtual workshop. And I think you'll, um, you'll find it helpful. So that's October the 20th, the 22nd, which is a Thursday, the 24th, which is Saturday and the 31st, which is a Saturday, the seven personal decision point virtual workshop. I don't think it's going to be a lot of trick or treating on this Halloween. What do you think? No, (laughs) no, no, not a lot. All right. Let's um, take some calls. 833-99-WORTH. Let's talk with Deborah. Deborah, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi, how are you? Hi, Thanks Deborah. for taking my call. Our pleasure. Um, I am, just have one question. I'm 62 years old, currently working full-time. I would like to retire next June when I'll be 63. At that time, is it better to wait to start collecting Social Security until I'm 65 so I'll receive a higher amount and make and make withdrawals from my retirement account to supplement my income or start social security at 63 and make smaller withdrawals from my retirement account. Yes. Yes. And we don't know. It depends on your situation. (laughs) So are you, (laughs) are you, are you, um, single or married? I'm married. Okay. And is your spouse retired or still working or? He retired from Intel about, Three years ago, after working there for 25 years, he's currently working part-time, um, making about 40000 a year. I make, currently make about 92000 a year. And uh, just as an off, uh, you'll have health insurance between there and yes. the time and you? Yes, my you... employer, yeah, my employer cover will be covering it at 96% until I turn 65, and then they'll be secondary after Medicare. So without social security. And do you have a, any sort of pension? Because a retiree medical is kind of nice still. Oh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have a 401k. Uh, my balance is 560000 My husband account is with Allworth, and it, it's about 525000 And yep. I And I contribute about 12% per paycheck. And what other 401k. income will you have coming in um, between... The date of retirement. So you're, you said your husband's making $40,000 a year and he is not on Social Security. Do you plan on going back to work? No. When I retire in June from my current company, that's as if I do want to work. It would just be part-time, somewhere not as stressful um, until I reach like 65 when I would start collecting Social Security if that's the right thing to do. Yes. Well, the the challenge with collecting Social Security and still working, you can only earn it's like sixteen or seventeen grand a year, Pat, before you start uh, it's, losing. It's benefits. a little bit higher than that. Not now, much higher, but, but it's uh, so the challenge is even if you're working part time, it it might reduce your benefits. So if if you yeah if there's any thought whatsoever of maybe wanting to do some more, and assuming you have a normal life expectancy, delaying payments is not it's not hurting you. It's not like you're costing you anything because every month you delay. It means a little bit more money whenever you start. And what would you every month? You what delay. would you live on without that Social Security benefit? Taking money That's out of your four hundred one k. I would withdraw. Yeah, I would withdraw um, from my four hundred one k. Our expenses are very low. Um, we could live on five thousand a month. Our house is almost paid off. Uh, we owe like fifty thousand on it. Okay. So, and that's it. So, so I would I bring you through the calculation, and my guess is that you'll probably, assuming that you're not going to go back to work, um, is that you will probably start Social Security um, after you retire. But you have an advisor at Allworth, and the Allworth advisor will run a Social Security calculation for you to tell you exactly when you should. Execute. And you can look at different what if scenarios. Yeah, you? you can say what if I take it at sixty four, sixty five, sixty six, and they'll actually show you what your account balance does on your 401k, whether you take it off of that or whether you start social security early, but is a rule of thumb from what you have told me so far, you're probably better off taking social security um, when you are eligible for it. Uh, and you said you were going to retire in December. Is that what you said? June. In June? No, June of next year. Oh, well then you would wait until uh, uh, January of the following year. At least year till January. Of the following year. So you don't have to worry about the special monthly rule. Um, and you might find, when was the last time you took off more than three months at a time, Deborah? I've never. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be in a hurry to start <laughs> yeah, it. You, I mean, right, because you don't know, you might 
six months in, you might think this is fantastic. I am never working another day of my life. I'm having a ball. I'm so busy. I can't believe it. Or you might be saying, this I need, is I need awful. Some, I need something productive to do. I mean, I don't know, right? And so, you won't know. Yeah. So if, the earliest I would take it is uh, the January 1st following the year in which you retire. But I agree with Scott. I'd okay. give myself some time to see actually whether retirement actually makes sense for you or not. Uh, not my, monetarily, but psychologically. And then I'd go back mm-hmm. to the advisor at Allworth and ask them to do the calculation of when they should actually w- run the what-if scenarios. So okay. we have software that they actually use, your advisor uses to actually do all kinds of what-ifs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, he just runs scenarios. Um, I've asked him, like, if I retire at 62 or if I retire at 65 and my husband's working, he's done all these calculations. So it's very helpful. And did you ask him, what happens if you retire now and your husband uh, works forever? Did you ask him that question? <laughs> <I> work forever. <laughs> no, I have not asked him the Social Security question, but I will. I yeah. definitely will go back. Uh, actually, uh, actually, and thank you for being a uh, yeah. client of all. And, and by the way, I, we are not intended to make an uh, an endorsement uh, from Deborah. We had no idea she was a client until she just stated. I guess technically, your husband's the client, but uh, a secu- securities law prevents us from having client testimonials. So, uh, what I'd like to state is that she might have had an okay experience till now. It could be absolutely horrible tomorrow. Um, or it could get even better. We're just not allowed to say. <laughs> and there might be others who have had horrible experiences and hate us. Okay, that's our disclosure. So I don't know how they, if you're a regulator, please, I don't know how you would have any problem with uh, stating that. And there probably are. You go, there's probably some that uh, do not like Allworth. I guarantee you, out of the thousands of clients we've had, there are more than why one. Do to, that have why not do you have to? Why do you have to going on and on about the, the the ones that may not like us? Let's just go to the next call. I do remember this is early on in my career. This guy was driving me nuts. And by the way, everyone in our organization, I was explaining this to someone this week. They have the power to fire a client. Now, before you think what this, thing, we all know people in our lives that most people are great people. Most people appreciate one another. That sort of thing. Every once in a while, there's, and you know what it's like at work. Then there's that person, and I think that's what's so difficult. <laughs> I might be that person at work, Scott. You know what? Like the DMV gets a bad name, or the post office, they have no choice. They can't tell a jerk person to get out. Like, sorry, you have to leave. We're not going to renew your driver's license this this month. They don't have that power, right? <laughs> okay. Private <laughs> enterprise has that power. Okay. Nordstrom's can kick you out if you um, if you don't wear a shirt or shoes. Whatever, right? So no in any shoes, case, no shirts, no service. This was years ago, and this client, he was, he was, I, I couldn't, I, he was not a nice man. And I said, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you're going to have to take your business somewhere else because I don't want to work with you any longer. And he was so angry, he was going to file a complaint with the Securities and Exchange Commission. I said, you can compl- file a complaint all you want. I'm, I'm pretty confident in the United States that uh, as a yeah. private enterprise, we're, choo- we're allowed to choose who to work with and who not to work with. He, and there's- he liked you, though. Well, I guess. He never did file a complaint. Oh. I thought that would have been a good one. I haven't had any complaints filed against me in my career, fortunately. Thank you. Let's continue right, let's on. 833 worth is our number. We are in Jacksonville, Florida with Jack. Jack, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Scott and Pat, good day. Hi, Jack. I've been listening uh, via podcast for about a year, and I really enjoy your program. Well, thank, thank you. you. I recall being I, uh, in Jacksonville and for a quick business trip years ago, and from my hotel room I could look out in the river and there was a um, dolphin swimming in the river. And I don't know if that's a regular occurrence in Jacksonville, but I had a nice twenty-four well, hours in Jacksonville. So. That's not entirely unusual. We have lots of dolphins around here. All right. So um, I need your advice on a bit of an unusual problem. My wife and I have saved perhaps too much money in tax-deferred accounts and maybe not enough in some other places. Um, I like your ideas on a, some strategies to keep our um, yep. upcoming RMDs from inflating our income up into higher and higher tax break brackets. How old are you? I, I, um, I am 71. My wife is 68. We both retired in 2014. We, uh, between Social Security and pensions, we have an annual income of about 88000 We draw about 20000 only from our investment accounts each year. We have no debt. Is that 20000 um, included in that 88000 No. 
that's on top of the. And you, you are you drawing? You say investment accounts. Are you drawing from IRAs or four hundred one ks? Yeah, or you know, we have a brokerage account. We have uh, Roth IRAs too. Have you been converting to a Roth IRA since two thousand fourteen? While you've been retired? Yeah, I have been, but I think I've been too timid in that process, perhaps. So what are the account balances in your uh, IRAs? Well, my IRA is just shy of $2 million, and my wife's IRA is just a tiny bit over a million. And you said yours was $2 million or $10 million? Two. $2 million. Yeah, so I'm essentially have $3 million in retirement accounts. Uh, that and, you are, and you know, tax deferred, yes. What do you, and what do you have as far as brokerage account? What do you have outside of their savings? And- well, together, we have about um, uh, eight hundred thousand in brokerage and about another eight hundred thousand in uh, uh, Roth IRAs. Well, so you've done a pretty good job. Oh, getting, you've so done. You, you've My you've gosh. converted quite a bit to the Roth. You've done a great job. How much have you converted the last few years on an av- average on an annual basis to the Roth? Um, well, I, three years ago, I did 50 K last year, uh, year before last, I did 75 and last year I did 90. Yeah. I don't know why you're so, so hard, hard on yourself when you said you were pretty timid. I think you've done a great job. <laughs> I, do too. I was expecting you to say you had like, 8,000 in your Roth. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> and then no. I was trying to think, how do I say this politely that you've been a fool for not taking the brokerage no, account, is, convert, but you have been. This convert. is about the largest Roth IRA value I think I've ever seen. You know, it, Mitt, it's Mitt Romney had one for $96 million. Oh, Mitt Romney was yeah. running a private equity firm. I'm pretty sure, okay. Jack, did you run a private <laughs> equity firm? Uh, no, sir, I did not. <laughs> it, it's pretty amazing, though. You know, we, we didn't, I don't th- see that we did anything special. We, you know, neither one of us made a whole lot of money in our careers, but we both worked, you know, a full career. And, um, and, you know, we just saved. And I think we were, you know, lucky in timing. We, we had two of the longest, strongest bull markets in history that we dollar cost averaged into. So, yeah, you also had a couple of dec- the last couple of decades haven't been all that kind, frankly. But uh, you, you are here because you uh, you lived below your means. Always. Yep. You saved yep, on a consistent right. basis. And, <laughs> and you I avoided imagine- debt. And you and you didn't respond to the markets by either timing in or out over a period of time. You set up an allocation, and I assume you stuck with it. Would these all be fair statements? Right again. You know no, what? We, you know, and it, so from your standpoint, you're like, it really wasn't that. It's like we didn't do anything special, and we didn't really earn that much. It's not like, it's not like you spent your life figuring out how to become a millionaire, right? But you were disciplined. You were disciplined. No, but it just happens over time. I, I mean, it, yep. I think. You know, anybody can More do young it people need to hear this story because it's, I mean, it's really as simple as living below your means. So, so Jack, are you and saving? Do you give money to a charities on an you annual? I like to ask people that. Now, I always figure that's a tough. Let's say somebody never gives a dime. What do you expect them to say on the air? No, no I, I hate charities no. and we are not charitable. No, I do. We do well, contribute to our church, um, um, uh, you know, significantly, uh, I think. And okay. um, I, we have some other. Local, like food pantries and things like that. Okay. All right. So, Jack, I hate to put you on hold here, but Scott, between you and I. So how should I ask people? (laughs) If you donate to charity in any year, here's what you should consider. Okay, Jack, if you donate to charities in any year, this is what you should consider. Okay. You should consider using your required minimum distribution to go right to those charities. Or some portion. And it does not come under your tax return at all. So let's say that next year your required minimum distribution is seventy-four thousand dollars. It's going to be somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. Yep. And let's say you give, even if it's ten thousand dollars, whatever the number is, if you have that ten thousand dollars go, whatever you give to your church and the food bank, whatever else, you, go directly. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't have to flow through your tax return. It. it it's like it never occurred. It came right out of your IRA and went right to the charity. The charity gets the money. They're tax, they're nonprofit. They don't pay taxes on it. And since it didn't hit your tax return, essentially did not hit your tax return, it doesn't change any 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 of the flow on your tax return. So when you get to required minimum distributions, as you are so inclined to give money to charities, you would use that first. Okay. How old are your kids? 
Um, our, my kids are grown and married. What do you I think mean, in there, Scott? I have four grandkids. Oh, nice. Just seeing what... Because, what, what, I mean, you're, you're, you're at a point, Jack, that you... You said, I think you said early on you've saved too much, whatever that really means. But you've got, you, you frankly have more money than you are going to spend in your lifetime. Yeah, Fair? I'm coming to that realization. Yeah. That's a good place to be, by the way. You're yep, much better off to be 71 and be in that position than to be 71 and thinking, I hope I don't make it to 81 financially. So you're, right. you're in a position right now where you can look at, you've got three, you've got, Almost ninety grand a year coming in from Social Security and pensions, and you only need it. You only spend it. You only need about twenty grand a year more for your lifestyle. And I imagine if you more money's not going to change it. It's not going to. You, you do everything you want to do now, and you go where you want to go, except for COVID, of course. But right, I mean, you're you're not you're, you're not saying no to things because you don't have the the funds. You're living the life you want. Right. We had we had big travel plans this year, but of course they yeah. got blown up. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so one, th- I mean, it really puts you in a position where you can think about you and your wife can think, what do we want these dollars to do? And like, some of the things you should think of is funding the grandkids' five twenty nine plans. Gets it right out right. of your state. Okay, that's a good idea. Gets it right out of the state. Comes out of the brokerage account. Some of the things you could do is start gifting uh, dollars to your children. Right, and so but and then another thing, I mean, depending on what your charitable intents are, you, is you can say maybe we want to give a little bit more. Maybe we want to get a little bit more involved in a particular organization or two. Be- because it's, it's a way, because the, ch- the challenge, you're at that point now where you're, you're bumping into t- higher tax brackets on the required minimum distribution. So it's a pretty significant tax break for you. I mean, a, a dollar that you give to the charity cost you 65 cents or so. Yeah, but the, but the 529 and the gifting from, to your children would either come out of cash or that brokerage account. And I don't think it's one or the other. I think no, it's no, no, no. probably of, all three. A variety of those. And you don't have to do it all the first year either. But I, I, it's a good position to be in. And you, it, it gives you a lot of options. If you did nothing and, and only did the requirement of distributions and did nothing, and you do some projections on what these are going to be, what's your state going to be worth in five years and in 10 years? And in 15 years, you, 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 I mean, you, you, you can't think you have too much money now and you can't take it with you. So it's, it, you're going to give it away some point in time, either at your death or, or while you're living. So something to consider is, are there some tax favorable ways to make some sort of gifts, whether it's to charities or to family members today, um, where we might be able to get some benefit by seeing how those dollars are, are spent. Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our show. Congratulations. Just out of curiosity, what did you do for a living? I, uh, my career, entire career was in uh, ocean transportation. I was a logistics manager. At a big shipping company. At a shipping company, yes. Yeah. I have, I mean, I understand what you said. I have no idea how you would do your job. <laughs> You're like, yeah. that, my that, wife was a, my you, wife was a school teacher. Ah. Uh, so what he did is he said, "Thank you for that." This boat, Appreciate the call, this Jack. boat should go east. <laughs> <laughs> we want to make sure we get as many crates as possible on it, and then go east <laughs> from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> if that's all you have to do, it'd be an easy job. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go listen, go south, and then make a left. <laughs> anyway, uh, Appreciate the goal. Actually, I have a, 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 one of my good friends from high school is a longshoreman down in. Um, I heard those are incredibly well-paying jobs. They're also incredibly dangerous. He almost killed himself at one point. And he's a little kind of a... He's always been one of those guys that doesn't understand... Uh, he almost killed himself skiing because he went off somewhere he shouldn't... It's like his third time on skis and he goes off this... Oh, okay. <laughs> slides into it. Literally, almost killed himself, slide into a rock head first, knocked out all his teeth. Were you skiing with him? I wasn't, but my good friends were. Okay. <clears throat> and I, I missed that day. And then he, then he was uh, helicoptered. He was a... A motorcycle race from Barstow to Vegas. He had no business being. <laughs> no, no. He was like in fourth place, crashed, had helicoptered out. It's this guy. And he almost killed himself, uh, fell something, fell in something. Oh. And 
jack himself up pretty good. Why did I get into this story? Because well, uh, I, I see him about every five years, and every five years when I see him, I, it's it it's a, I, I like hearing about his job just because it's so You're not, so different than what I do. Yeah, for the, the chances of you getting your teeth all put out or something falling on you here in the office of Allworth is. Probably minimal at best. We did have somebody years ago who tell us this is they were thinking about becoming a client, and they said, "Joel, just want you to know, if you lose a dollar of my money, I will come and park a truck out in front, back it up. I've got this, and, and describe what he was going to do." And we said, "I don't know if we're the right firm for you." I don't remember. <laughs> oh that. yeah, this is a long time ago. I don't. I have I'm no not sure. Of that. I'm not sure we're the right firm for you. <laughs> Reminds me of the episode of The Sopranos or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I got to tell you, on account of the COVID thing, I've started watching it again. The Sopranos? Yeah. I don't think I've ever watched more than one or two of the episodes of this. Three times for me, all the way through. Getting in. Just what How I, many times? This will be my third. <laughs> the Sopranos? Is that wrong? I don't know. Is that you wrong? can tell Pat's empty nesting and all that. I was like, all right, all right honey, that's fine. I'll, I'll go watch. Uh, Yes. Make dinner. Go to bed before nine every night. Then now that the things are done around the house. That's what's <laughs> happening. Rerun the Sopranos. There was an episode of the Sopranos where I think a guy had a stockbroker and it went down. So all he wondered was his money back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, just, uh, I'm getting my money. All right. Back. There we go. Yeah. All right. But thank you for listening to the show. In the last couple minutes or minute and a half that we have left, we want to, Encourage you to go to our website, allworthfinancial.com. And we have the personalized learning platform, which we have worked on for quite a time. Um, and so we worked on it with our data science team. We worked with our programmers and we worked with it with our financial advisors. And our we have a video production and writers here that take this content that Scott and I and the rest of the advisors at Allworth develop and they put it in chunks that... Hopefully you can understand. So the personalized learning platform is actually, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. You go on there and it will ask you a couple of questions about yourself. And then it, if you look at it, how it looks on a big whiteboard, it diagrams it. So if you answer this, they're going to ask you a couple more questions, a couple more questions. And at the end of it, it is going to recommend content that you can consume, either videos or papers or short little uh, snippets that you help you better understand your personal financial situation. And that's why we call it the personalized learning platform. And that's at allworthfinancial.com. We put a lot of work into it. So no, we'd, it like pretty you, good. we'd like you to go do it because we have, we have not only spent a lot of time, but a lot of energy and money uh, developing in this. Well, and we believe that the more educated you are when it comes to your finances, the better decisions you will make. Yes plain and simple. So we're out of time. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.